Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about Call of Duty World War II, Need for Speed Payback, Xbox One X and BlizzCon 2017. So today's episode is a bit special because we have somebody who's attending BlizzCon 2017 in Anaheim, California. That is Rishi Alwani, who's our games editor. Good morning, night, wherever, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. It's, yeah, another intercontinental Gadgets 360 podcast. Yep, welcome. And uh, sitting on the shores of Blizzard's favorite market in the entire world is Mikhail Madnani. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I'm your host, Pranay Parab. So I think first of all, uh, we should start by talking about Call of Duty World War II, uh, seeing as it is one of the biggest game releases of 2017. So Rishi, I believe you've been playing that game a lot. Uh, yeah, so the, games, uh, w- the game was out uh, late last week. Uh, and it is funny because you had Call of Duty World War Two, BlizzCon, and the iPhone 10 all out on the same day. Uh, but we we were lucky enough to get a copy a week before release because of uh, the grey market. And uh, yeah, uh, the game's pretty. It's an interesting affair because uh, what I mean, and it's, it's this is something we discussed on the last podcast as well, where uh, Activision decided to lock out uh, single player uh, until a few days before launch. Uh, so you basically had a 10 gig patch and once that was once you had that downloaded you could start playing the game um so yeah i mean initially impre- for, in terms of single player it's a pretty solid game it, they've done some interesting things uh, with regards to you know uh bringing the making sure the world war 2 formula doesn't seem too stale and i know it's a really odd right but then uh in my case at least i've been playing every call of duty since its inception and uh it started, I mean, as someone who's played the games before World at War, before Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare, there is this, there, there was a sense that, you know, every game was doing, was going through this, was going through the same motions. But uh, here they've done some good things. Uh, there, there's a squad ability um, a skill, which basically lets you, uh, depending on, on who, who from your squad is with you in the game. You can essentially pick out enemies uh, uh, behind walls or through smoke. You can get more ammo. You can call down mortar strikes. So there's a bit of variety and flexibility there. I'm still pretty bummed out that they decided to open the game with the same Private Ryan sequence, which has existed since Medal of Honor Allied Assault on the PS2. So that was a bit of a downer. But and, And then the game does a good enough job of making you feel for the characters, you play as making you feel for your squad, and I think that's really nice to see. But uh, one mission in the middle of the game, and I don't want to spoil it for any of you, tries to get it becomes a little too emotional too soon because the character you're playing as you're only introduced a mission prior. So that to me was a bit of a downer. But uh, by and large, the single player campaign is pretty good. I mean, all things considered, uh, the multiplayer. Well, it's Call of Duty. I mean, I don't know what else to say in that regard. It's basically the same Call of Duty, uh, but in World War Two, and uh, the movement is a little more measured. Uh, it's a little slower. Um, the gunplay is well. I mean, as World War Two games have been, there's been very little unchanged there. But what's really bothering, what really bothers me, is uh, how microtransactions uh, are used in multiplayer here. Now, what Activision have done is that uh, you have a open you, you have a social space in the game where you can get loot boxes and these loot boxes are paradrop from the sky and uh, when you open them everyone uh, in the game can see what you're getting so they're trying to create they're trying to use the loot box you get as an advertisement for everyone else to get more loot boxes and i think it's a 
pretty it's a sick move in my opinion it's not something which should be happening in a 60 dollar game but it's happening anyway and i think it's quite uh it's quite desperate um that aside come the, on man the loot box visuals are cool yeah they're cool but then i mean if i have to if we have to decide which which games have the be- best loot box visuals and effects i still think fortnite would win because fortnite lets you hit a piñata and the piñata literally explodes it is so cool and if you ask me in just terms of pure animations that's the best loot box animation this year hands down but yeah uh, best loot box animation this year we've we've reached peak triple a gaming yeah or yeah that's exactly it's exactly but no back to call of duty so uh, a few people i've been talking to at least on xbox one they've been having a lot of issues with the campaign because uh, it is online only at least that's what they've said and uh, they've been kicked out of the campaign if the internet flickers and stuff uh, really not happy with activision going with this route for the single player campaign yeah it's it's pretty pathetic because this is a game that's as popular as fifa and it reaches that it reaches an audience that doesn't have the most consist- consistent internet connectivity i mean it's the same reason why mike uh, why at the end of the day you still have a lot of people in emerging markets particularly uh, who play who play call of duty would probably be turned off by this and uh, even though it's tracking quite well in terms of sales uh, i still think that uh, activision essentially um, miss uh, uh jump the shark on uh basically kicking out people from single player if they don't have an internet connection i i don't think that's i don't think this is fair i don't think it's how it should work um but okay, coming back to the game itself uh the zombies mode is pretty good it's been i mean it's as good as it's been in the last couple of years there's been no hang ups there uh it's a lot of fun to play it's it really feels tense it's also a bit comical given the setting and uh i mean i mean if you think about it from the three pillars of every call of duty game i mean you have your zombies co-op mode you have your multiplayer and you have your single player campaign uh but the formula seems to be getting a bit stale i mean i think they need to do something to liven up the proceedings or uh, instead of well you know trying to saddle us with an online connectivity when it's not required and i don't know how they're going to take it from here because uh there's only so much you can do right it's not you don't have the flexibility to let's say do an ultimate team which is what fifa does or to have a gear system or an endless mode like uh, most fighting games do such as injustice 2 or street fighter so um i don't know it's going to be a challenge to see how activision uh you know mix things up a bit i mean they, they, you can see some inkling of that happening because they had the operations mode which basically is large scale warfare similar to what we've seen in battlefield 1 wherein you know uh there are rolling objectives across a grand sweeping map but i still think they need to do more around that or do something to keep the game from getting stale because if you ask me it's it's the formula is wearing thin it's it, we are, uh, every year you're going to have co-op you're going to have zombies and you're going to have uh, sorry you're going to have zombies you're going to have multiplayer you're going to have uh, a single player campaign but there has to be more to it you know especially when you're charging 60 dollars and you deci- and you you think it's a good idea to keep people online only it's 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 a bit of a problem i kind of feel bad for anyone who's buying this game right now at how much is it in india 4499 or something mrp yeah yeah right yep because uh, we saw what happened with infinite warfare it launched at around the same price and uh, about two or three months later it was available for less than half and most stores are selling infinite warfare for 999 officially right now so yeah. yeah a lot of it has to do with the distributors incompetence 
uh yeah there's no other way of putting it because uh at the end of the day i don't think they're aware or know or can judge the quality of the of the games uh i mean because let's be honest here uh with and i think also a bit of it has a bit of the blame has to follow the activision's handling of the indian market because uh i mean the sales for infinite warfare were pretty much slow to begin with and it got worse the moment middle east stock dropped in price which keeps happening so i think 2 to 3 weeks after launch there was a there was a drop in price in middle east where you could pick up uh infinite warfare for as low as 2500 rupees while the local official price for the legacy edition which had infinite warfare plus call of duty modern warfare remastered was uh, sitting at close to 5500 6000 rupees so uh, i i i think that the problem is activision can't get its uh operations together the distributor slow to react and uh, the end result is consumer suffer because at the end of the day uh i mean and and there's a mentality that that uh, that that sets in right if you already know if, if you picked up infinite warfare at launch and now you're seeing it at 999 why would you why would you buy world war 2 at launch and 4499 honestly isn't a good price either way it's still too expensive granted there is value for someone looking for value if you're a call of duty fan who wants to justify it yeah sure but then it's it, it that that value erodes so quickly it's not even funny and it's really tragic because uh i mean the stories i was hearing from certain retailers prior to the release of the uh, of world war 2 was uh, uh the margin for the game was was stuck around at 16 to 18% now that's usually par for the course for a lot of games a 16 18% margin especially if it's that high priced but you'd get a nice 20% margin if you took uh infinite warfare which was basically given at the, to the retailers at free literally no cost so yeah it's 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 it doesn't make sense because this is not a game anyone should be losing money on and if you lose money on call of duty and if you don't make any money on call of duty it's it it just shows how how well you know messed up things are and at the end of the day it means that consumers get a raw bug a raw deal So it's it's a bunch of things because at the end of it let's be honest this game is going to be discounted either way there is going to be a crazy amount of gray market that comes in uh within a week from now it's going to happen the dubai price is going to drop we are going to see re-exports hit india and heck i won't be surprised if we see uh indian copies of the game floated in other markets too because that tends to happen year on year as well so yeah i mean if you're a call of duty fan and if uh and if you're in india well uh, Yeah, you kind of back the wrong horse. I think also you can like if someone just buying it for the campaign most definitely don't buy it right now. Yeah. Because uh, like I'm pretty sure there's going to be lots of patches initially and uh, given how some consoles work and some networks handle them if the patch shows up while you're playing the game it'll boot you out because uh, the game will not be playable on the network until you've patched it so that's not going to be a fun experience. and more than that the other the other thing is uh if you're looking to play it on pc there is no discs this time around you're stuck with yes, the code in box yes there's this code in box which i personally think is uh, not the right way forward but i mean hey it's act it's it's activision i, I don't know what what they're thinking so yeah I all mean, right so since we are on the topic of activision i mm-hmm. think you know it's time to move to the blizzard side of things yeah so yeah you mean the competent more- side of things Yeah, exactly. Super competent. Uh so yeah, BlizzCon 2017. What can I say? Um 
possibly the most efficient well run event i've ever been fortunate to go to uh compared to gamescom this is i mean everything happened on time there were literally no delays everything ran like clockwork uh so so we managed to get a really go- uh, so we got a, some really interesting interviews that you can check out on the site but before i get into that uh let's just ru- run through some of the important announcements that happened there uh the most important was starcraft 2 is now free to play i mean sorry will be free to play soon uh from november 14th what this basically means is uh if you've never played starcraft 2 which is uh, one of the most popular if not the most popular rts in the world right now uh you can you, you can play it for free uh at least now the game has three campaigns wings of liberty is the one you'll be able to play for free now if you already own wings of liberty you get the second campaign hearts of the heart of the swarm for free but if you have both uh you still will have to pay to play uh legacy of the void which is the third campaign but that aside um w- what was interesting is that uh blizzard has confirmed that uh, the reason why they're seeing such an uptick on starcraft 2 is because of their efforts on co-op so the game has a really cool co-op mode where you where you and a friend can go through a bunch of missions and uh do some interesting things so like they have uh they have commanders commanders are basically special type of hero units that add certain pros and cons to the armies they manage such as you know uh doing uh, like su- such as having exploding units or uh, or or basically being uh, heavier on the defensive side of things so uh, apparently the co-op mode has resulted in a larger player base and uh, while it's interesting to see that they've made this game free to play what worries me though is the temptation to actually add more microtransactions to double down on loot boxes and stuff like that but at least uh, when i had spoken to blizzard they, they've confirmed that that's not the case uh i was also worried because see when a game goes free to play the first thing that happens you see a lot of new players coming in and for a game like starcraft 2 that's extremely skill based that's very precise uh you essentially this essentially results in the overall skill pool lowering and you also have a situation where uh you have the older crowd of starcraft 2 uh there's a rift between the older crowd of starcraft 2 and the newer ones who have just joined so uh blizzard response to all of that is a pretty much like they acknowledge it's going to happen and they're not too worried about it they want people to come in and play the game uh their logic for doing this is engagement uh and i think it's a very uh it, it's basically a very tried and tested mobile strategy in a way because it's a simple thing right if you play the game long enough uh if you like it you'll end up spending money on it so i think it's a fair way forward but how it pans out though remains to be seen we don't we still uh, while they're saying that they won't be going down the loot box route they won't be going the microtransaction route uh 2017 has taught me one thing that uh, it is better to expect the unexpected and uh, approach every situation with caution so uh, hopefully blizzard proves me wrong but i'd still be cautious to see what actually happens when they fl- when they flip the switch on uh, on uh, november 14 Hmm okay so uh, that aside any, anything important from Blizzcon 2017 that we've missed Yeah so there was Blizzard World which is a new map coming to Overwatch which looks pretty cool a hybrid map Yeah it's a hybrid map which basically means people who like 90% of people who play Overwatch don't uh, follow uh, objectives like you know our good friend Mike over here So yeah it's basically a par for the course but what's really nice is that 
the map is filled with uh, with references to other Blizzard games. So there's a there's there there's a StarCraft two reference. There's an in from Hearthstone, and there's some stuff from Diablo. It looks really cool. Uh, they also announced a new character for Overwatch called Moira, uh, which basically seems to be the evil version of Zenyatta. Zenyatta is one of the support class characters in the game, and this seems to be the evil version of it. And uh, which seems to the inspiration seems to be a mix of Billy Loke from Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, and uh, David Bowie. Uh, she's got this whole androgynous thing going for it. Uh, though Blizzard hasn't confirmed or denied the actual uh, sexuality of the character, I thought I'd put that out there considering, you know, Overwatch fans tend to obsess over details like that. Um, that aside, there were some interesting announcements for Hearthstone particularly in the fact that Hearthstone's going to have a dedicated single-player mode called Dungeon Run, which will play a lot like uh, one of Pranay's favorite games, FTL. So, uh, Pranay, are you actually going to go back into Hearthstone now? Uh, no. Why? Single-player? I might because uh, the new BlizzCon virtual ticket gave me a golden legendary. <laughs> so I'll see how that is in-game. But no, back to Overwatch. The new hero design is uh, a little battleborn-y, which is pretty bad. I don't know. I, I'm not too I'm not too put off by the design. I, I think it's an interesting addition. And honestly, I wouldn't... I mean, battleborn doesn't even... Literally doesn't exist at this stage for most people anyway. So for a lot of I'm people... I'm just saying the design reminded me a lot about that. Instead yeah. of like, you know, the like Blizzard's usual art and character design, which you immediately like. This is the yeah. first time, I think, in Overwatch where I'm like, okay, what have they done? Yeah, I know. She doesn't seem vibrant enough, you know, or cartoony enough. But I have a feeling that we might see some ramifications going forward. I mean, we saw that with uh, Mercy, where, you know, they they removed most of the... Uh, they basically changed the way she plays completely. So I won't be surprised if they end up, uh, you know, making a few tweaks to her design when she finally hits... Right now she's in PT. Uh, she's in PTR, uh, which is a public test realm for people to check it out uh, on PC, and she'll be live early next year. So who knows? We might see some design changes going uh, before she's out for everyone to play. Yeah, and there was also some news on some uh, cancelled Overwatch character, which was some uh, jetpack wielding uh, animal type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, and this has been doing the rounds for a while. It's not entirely new. Uh, Jeff Kaplan had said, I think, in an interview at GameSpot a while ago that one of the cancelled characters was a, was a cat with a jetpack, I think. And, uh, and that, yeah, that didn't make it, that didn't make the final cut. But then, I mean, that does happen in the process of game development. You're going to have a lot of things that don't make the final cut or show up later. I mean, it's half the reason why expansion packs were a thing back in the day. Because, you know, there was just so many ideas left on the drawing board that you actually want to see them make the light of us uh, uh, you want to see them get, get be out there so yeah uh but then that aside th- there were also some uh what was really interesting was that they actually had the overcop uh sorry sorry they actually had the overwatch uh, world cup finals at uh at blizzcon which was really really cool uh they managed to fill an entire sports site uh, uh, olympic size stadium with people watching overwatch and it was really cool to see the atmosphere was electric the finals had South Korea versus Canada, and yeah, spoiler alert, South Korea won. But Canada did, had some really interesting tactics where uh, they essentially did things like put a turret on the payload, had a, had a bunch of really fast characters 
uh, grieve the opposition. It was really fun to watch. And uh, it, it, it actually made me realize that, especially the way it was presented and the way uh, they showed, they made it very easy and digestible for people to understand, uh, gives me some hope that uh, who knows? I mean, this could just be that one esports game that ev- that I might just take to as an esports game, aside from just playing it as a casual person. So yeah, that that seemed really cool. And uh, they also announced well, uh, Wo- Wo- World of Warcraft uh, getting vanilla servers. They even announced Battle of Azeroth. Now, uh, I mean, and they also announced that Hero of the Storm, which Heroes of the Storm, which is their answer to Dota Two, gets new characters now. Uh, from an India standpoint, all of these are cool, but uh, at the end of the day, it's basically Overwatch and StarCraft that make the biggest impact because, you know, you have one game that's going free and you have another that's already popular enough to have more updates. Uh, but it's and it's fascinating to see because uh, uh, at least the other uh, the other press who were there, at least those who I, who I interacted with, uh, they, they were from Eastern Europe and for most of them, the biggest draw was World of Warcraft. Or Heroes of the Storm because the PC culture there is huge. The 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 computer hardware cu- culture is huge, and their pricing on hardware is at least fifty percent better than ours. So it is very fascinating to see how Blizzard manages to have a diverse set of games that actually has very different regional regional pull in each uh, part of the world. So that was very cool to see. Yeah, I'm just surprised that people are still playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, and uh, it's still, I think the most subscribed to paid MMO. Yeah, I mean it's it's surprising, and and then what was even more surprising was uh, when I brought it up with a with a couple of with a couple of journalists, at least the guys from uh, from Croatia, the guys from Czech Republic, and I'm like, so how how oh, how does this compare to Final Fantasy XIV? Because that's the one I know of, that's one I've played a bit of, and uh, they're like, yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a, it's a different take altogether. For that, for a lot of them, the biggest draw was was World of Warcraft getting the vanilla servers more than Battle for Azeroth, because uh, it essentially goes back to a situation where, uh, when World of Warcraft launched, uh, the quest structure was pretty sad. It was basically kill ten, uh, kill ten rodents and stuff like that. There wasn't any, uh, you know, there wasn't any way. It it was tough for, it was very tough for newbies to get into. It wasn't exactly accessible. That changed when uh, one of uh, w- w- when Blizzard decided to you know retool the entire game and they saw the numbers dropping when they weren't adding new num- uh, new players they decided to root re- retool the entire experience and uh, that's what got a lot more people in but uh, at the same time because the game is so huge you have a large chunk of people who want to play it as it was and there have been vanilla servers in the past which Blizzard has shut down and it's nice to see that they're uh, actually working towards it though there's no date yet. Uh, the other interesting announce, uh, rather non-announcement, was uh, that uh, we're not going to see Diablo 2 or Warcraft 3 getting the HD remaster treatment that StarCraft got just yet, uh, simply because there are still issues with those games that Blizzard still has to get around to resolving. And uh, what is interesting is that I managed to interview someone from the original dev team on, on StarCraft and who also is working on StarCraft Remastered. Uh, Robert Brandbecker, I think I hope I got his name right. Uh, and uh, I and I, it seems that for StarCraft Remastered, they didn't have the original source code of the game, so they had to make uh, all the art assets from scratch. So that that was really interesting to hear, and uh, also goes to show that yeah, the early days, not everyone took preservation to be as important as it should be. But uh, yeah, that that was cool to hear. 
Hmm. Okay. So I think since we've spoken about something that's so good for so long, uh, it's time to give our audience some bad news. Uh, why don't we talk about the Xbox One X? So, uh, Mike, I believe you had some interesting choice of words for this particular console and all the announcements around it. Uh, well, for one, it's officially launching today as of this recording worldwide, but not India. That's seventh uh, November, right? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. And, so. Uh, yeah, Rishi, go ahead. No, no, go for it, go for it. So, $500 is the retail price for it. Uh, it should be available in India, given how past consoles that haven't launched here officially have been made available for in between 48 to 52,000 rupees approximately, depending on where you source your grey market consoles from. Uh, the problem is uh, buying an expensive console over here, if there's anything that goes wrong, since it's a new console, there's not going to be much support available even through the people who unofficially repair consoles. Uh, Microsoft seems completely uninterested in doing anything around the Xbox One X for India because they just launched the One S over here at a very high price compared to what it's available for everywhere else. And uh, yeah, like the only people who I'd assume are super happy about the Xbox One X launch besides the fans are... Uh, the sites that do comparisons between PS4 and Xbox One resolutions and frame rates, I think those are the only people who are going to be really happy about this console launch because, uh, like, their big launch game for this was Super Lucky's Tale. I mean, like, that's probably, like, one of the worst launch games ever. Yeah, so, I think yeah. our review just went up. It was a 5 on 10. Uh, Akhil, our, our pop culture Resident pop culture expert decided to help us out on that. No one. man, he's a resident hater. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you mean there's more than one mic around? Shocking. So, yeah. So, but yeah, like it was supposed to have Crackdown Three as a launch title, but that got delayed. Assassin's Creed Origins actually launched on October 27th, which is uh, about 10 days before and the launch Forza of this launched console. A b- little before that. Yeah, but that would have probably done more damage to the brand than good, given how. <laughs> our experience has been with the game and still is even with the latest patch it's still pretty terrible and i'm actually shocked that it's still in that state but no back to the one x uh their only big game or their only exclusive that they launched with was super lucky stale which is a a budget price platformer and yeah akhil's reviews gone live which you can read uh pretty disappointing player unknowns battlegrounds which is an early access game preview launch exclusive is next month so, yeah, and also the people I've been talking to who have the console abroad already, uh, well, just expect to up your FUP to more than 1 TB if you plan on getting it because uh, Halo had a 95 GB download, Dead Rising 4 had a 40 GB download, uh, Quantum Break re-downloaded the game for one person I spoke to in Australia, which is 175 GB, uh, including the TV shows. So, yeah, get used to a lot of that happening. Yeah, and uh, just to reiterate, this is definitely not coming to India anytime. I mean, at launch at least. Uh, Microsoft has confirmed that to us in the past. And though they have told me, at least uh, uh, at least from what I've heard, is that the gap between the One X launching globally and the One X launching in India will be a lot less. It will be interesting to see is when they actually decide to bring it in. Um, the other thing in all of this, which... Uh, uh, along with these issues that Mike that Mike has brought has brought up is that uh, the most important thing at least in my opinion is that you're stuck with a one terabyte uh, uh, console you, you there is no bigger variant 
the one s has had a 2tb limited edition variant which well you know isn't available anymore so people so even if you plan to get it in gray just keep in mind that given the size of each game you will need an external hard drive you're looking at at least a 2tb another 2tb uh, of external hard hardware of uh, external storage space just for all this for all the patches for 4k and what what's even more interesting is that uh games on the Xbox 360 like some like Assassin's Creed Fallout 3 uh and uh games like even Oblivion are Halo getting, 3 as well and Halo 3 are getting uh 1x patches to play at 4k so while i while i do applaud microsoft for uh you know playing to their strengths and play making sure that people get a great experience on the 1x i still feel that you know resources that are being used to pretty up older games could well be put towards making newer games instead of cancelling them but what do i know i mean phil spencer is too busy making statements cough that, scale bound cough yeah that yeah, i i didn't want to say that i that is still the disappointment of the year for me yeah but uh i mean if you think about it that's what that's what's gone down right i mean you are, you have the head of xbox making statements like uh, making statements like uh you that they, that uh, that they're looking to finally invest in first party hardware uh, first party games i mean what's been going on since 2014 2014 2015 was the last time we or we actually saw them make an effort i mean the last last couple of games that they made an effort was gears of war 4 and halo 5 we haven't seen anything after that uh and then on top of that uh uh at least according to a report by the uh by the i think the wall street journal if i'm not mistaken where they're actually where, where phil spencer's role now has expanded to the point where uh they could even consider or see in the future that their games make it to other consoles like the ps4 now heck that's already happening with minecraft uh and uh, i don't and honestly i don't think we're ever going to see halo on a non xbox on a non microsoft console but the very fact that they're making statements like this particularly at the time when the 1x is out is a little shocking imagine this you go you pick up a 1x and then you go you go back home you read on the you 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 read the same day that there's a good chance that microsoft might bring some of its ips to the playstation 4 so i mean guys do you you have a messaging problem microsoft has a massive massive messaging problem and uh, frankly i think uh it's i think it's basically par for the course for them this generation they've always had a messaging problem with xbox and it's just seems to be par for the course the xbox one and it the entire online garbage attached to it was a problem and uh, they never quite shook it off they killed off connect a few weeks ago good riddance to bad rubbish uh but uh yeah i mean it's just a very disappointing state of affairs across the board so yeah as much as i hate to say it and yeah this is w- one of the few times i have to agree with mike where uh, kind of drop the ball I'll say one thing though I've been watching some footage of the games which are quote unquote enhanced for the Xbox One X and while there are some cases where it it's the same as PS4 Pro like FIFA 18 is the same on both as far as I remember reading uh Titanfall 2 actually has performance issues and resolution scaling issues on the One X which it doesn't have on the Pro which is surprising considering one of the people who worked on it said that they got it running at 6K Uh, yeah. a while ago and on the uh, Xbox One X. So and what's even more interesting is that Titanfall 2 is one of the few games uh that's running on the Source engine on a heavily modified Source engine that basically ran Half-Life 2 and Episode 2 and and a lot of Valve's games. 
So the f- and uh, usually source engine basically games, a very scalable engine that runs exactly. very well on super low end hardware because uh, like the Half Life games basically run on everything. Exactly. So, but yeah, so, I'll say this: Halo Five finally looks good. It doesn't just run well; it actually looks good as well. It doesn't look like uh, Forza Six where you suddenly have last gen environments and stuff like that. Hey man, Halo Five always looks good. You're just a hater. Okay. Yeah, dude. It always All right good. then. So at least, I but then think, again, I'm a fanboy. So I yeah. think that's enough complaining about uh, Xbox One X for the time being. Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> so Prane, uh, okay, I heard then. that so, I heard uh, that you've been playing Need for Speed. You should tell us about it. Yeah, exactly. So this uh, brings us to the games we've been playing this week podcast segment, which uh, Mike really loves, where you know he talks about all all the weird games that he's been playing. Um, the last few episodes have been pretty. Standard games, yeah, unfortunately. But mm. come on, man! You played that Yoma Wari Midnight Shadows or something like that last week, right? Yeah. Oh, is oh you mean the game where a dog dies? Okay. Yeah, that's how it starts. In fact, the sequel actually starts with uh, a girl walking her dog. Uh, them walking. There's a they have to jump across this uh, bridge which isn't which is broken, and uh, the plank which they used to cross actually falls off, and the dog is stuck on the other side, and the girl who you play as is. one of the girls who you play as decides to like find a way back and then it's so random she just walks around and then you you're learning the mechanics with the tutorial like you're moving a block across so you can climb across two stones and uh, she sees a tree she sees a branch and then there's just like one minute of silence and then suddenly she pulls out a rope and then hangs herself so that's like that's the opening of the game and i was like wow nice way to start man so, never playing f- this it's like really dire Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but Prane, this week, uh, basically, I've crossed thirty-five hours into Mario Odyssey uh, on the Switch. Uh, I finished the game. Probably took me twenty hours or something to finish the game. Been doing a lot of post-game stuff. Uh, I'd say the post-game stuff in this can easily cross like two hundred hours, depending on what you're doing. It's the amount of content. Like when they announced it as, I mean, obviously it was going to be a sixty-dollar game because it's a flagship Mario title, but. Uh, When I played Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS, that was like I think I finished it in five hours, and I was like, yeah, okay, this is like a good tech demo, and it had some decent levels, but it's not really a fantastic game. I thought like, is this going to be a sixty-dollar four-hour game or some five-hour game? But it actually turned out to be fantastic with no filler, just perfect platforming. Uh, in fact, it it worked against Super Lucky Steel again because uh, I've been playing it two days after playing Mario, and that's not good. So. been basically playing that still playing that actually finally took out the cartridge for the first time from the switch because uh uh hopefully should have a certain shooter which is coming out on the switch soon to put into it today but uh yeah basically been oh, playing that oh payday on switch yeah Bosh. okay uh so rishi you mentioned a need for speed payback earlier right so that's that's the game i've been playing uh what did he say well i mean so need for speed right uh Why isn't it called Need for Speed Fast and Furious? Well, uh, they have a movie called Need for Speed. I believe that was like a really poor impression of Fast and Furious, and this one, I guess, uh, they just didn't do it because of fear of some lawsuits or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that at this point, Need for Speed is well past its prime. 
like every time the new need for speed game comes out like people like me who used to love need for speed back up till the until like the mid 2000s we would like uh, go and maybe buy the game play the game and be disappointed yet again so uh, maybe uh, two years ago there was a reboot of the whole need for speed uh, brand name and you know that that uh, game was sort of half decent but once again like since then we've seen that uh, the series is just going downhill and need for speed payback is the latest installment which is yet another example of how not to make a good race game uh, so in this game what they've done is they've actually aped a lot of elements from forza horizon 3 such as a massive open world and basically you can challenge other drivers ai drivers uh, while driving around in the open world and like you can start racing against them and then you have to drive to various events in various corners of the map and sometimes you're just like going there and you know uh, this uh, like you're just going there randomly and you're going to go start a race somewhere and then you discover like there's a um like hidden poker chip somewhere so you pick that up you smash some billboards you find some other like hidden items such as you know derelicts which is like need for speed paybacks version of forza horizons uh barn finds so basically yeah, you yeah, find yeah. classic cars and then you restore them yeah so a lot of similarities this way but then the problem with need for speed payback is first of all okay like your first trailer showed a story mode and the story is really pathetic i mean I would say that the Need for Speed movie probably had a better story than what this game has and that's that's really saying uh not saying a lot because you know the movie was really bad too. So uh the story is really really weak, uh, pretty cliched overall. The characters are really flat. I mean just think about it. What happens is in the uh, uh in the beginning of the game, uh, the protagonist Tyler Morgan, he like forms his own gang of like uh, thieves and they steal this really expensive supercar and uh, then they get betrayed and by just by chance what happens is the guy he steals the car from that's the guy he ends up working for as a driver for the next 6 months so that he can get revenge from the person who betrayed them like that makes zero sense because if i were the person who employed him and if he stole from me first thing i would do is make sure that he gets into serious trouble or i would not employ him once again for revenge or whatever so that that made zero sense and in general like all the important plot points in this uh, in the story seem to come from like uh, super immaturity of of the characters uh, be it the uh, guy who's the who's who's who lost the car initially whose car was stolen um, that's the gambler casino owner mark ware i think and uh, tyler morgan is also pretty immature and i didn't like that character at all i mean if anything there's a character called mac over there who's into offroading and who's really fun loving uh, a british person uh, so i really loved his character because at least he was you know like he had some personality but yeah i mean the only bad decision he made in the entire game according to me was to be a part of tyler's gang so he should have just done his own thing and he would have been a much better character in a much better story probably but yeah overall didn't didn't like the story mode one bit uh but yeah the fun thing is that the races are good if you enjoy uh, racing and if you love arcade racing th- this game does give you a good experience however like all the elements around it uh such as microtransactions and that whole uh, loot box nonsense which has you know, penetrated every single game that you can think of that's also pretty bad like um yeah one of the biggest problems with the game is basically that loot box nonsense so this this game has a system called uh, uh, speed cards so once you win a race you get to choose between one of three cards and then you uh, open that and then you get like an upgrade part for your car so now to play the next race you will probably be given a recommended level for your car which will be much higher than what your car is at and that means that you will have to use one of these speed cards uh, speed cards to up- upgrade your car 
and eventually you hit a point where you have to grind so much to get that upgrade to get to a level where you can you know race in the next uh, next event without losing badly uh, that you know that you are you will end up resorting to like microtransactions at some point the game makes it very hard to progress without paying only like people who are willing to grind again and again and again will will be the ones who will not end up paying so does it at, does it at least have like decent production values where you feel like it's a fast and the furious movie or is it like a b grade version so i'd say that uh, in terms of looks and aesthetic and all of that it's pretty good but in terms of like dialogue writing and all uh, and even like the racing bits that they show in the video uh, not great but yeah the parts that you are enacting um, that is good enjoyable to some extent but then again there are some elements you know which which feel very scripted so the biggest problem i had with the story mode apart from the fact that the story is completely bad uh, is that all the cop chases like all the times when police is chasing you it's totally scripted i mean you get to see checkpoints all the way across and you have to follow those checkpoints and then you can escape the cops but it's not like you know need for speed most wanted where you had to do all the evasion on your own and you found new ways to get rid of the cops so yeah overall not very impressed with the way this game works i thought that forza horizon 3 was an uh, like immense game like really really good in terms of like uh, you think of anything and forza horizon 3 is better than this game uh, it did not have a story mode per se and that's a good thing because you know it's better to have no story than to have a bad story and it did not have all these annoying microtransactions and what not and if you think about it uh, Need for Speed Payback has come out like one year after Forza Horizon 3 and it has failed to match the aesthetics the attention to detail and the polish and the visuals of Gran Turismo Sport or Forza Motorsport 7 and it has also failed to match the amazing like uh, production values the quality of the races and overall like the look of the cars and everything from Forza Horizon 3 so at this point Need for Speed uh, is probably like a distant fourth in the uh, racing game scenario depending on which games you like and that to like that that's not something very impressive for a game which you're playing paying almost full price for so yeah i mean that's pretty much the only game i've been playing i've also played a bit of super mario odyssey maybe like uh, one and a half hour into that game um but yeah we'll we'll share my thoughts next week because frankly i mean you know i got distracted collecting purple coins and exploring new areas rather than progressing in the main game yeah purple coins are specific currency for each kingdom which you can use to buy uh, basically cosmetics and if you manage to buy the outfit for that particular kingdom you are rewarded in a certain hidden area which they only allow you if you're wearing the costume for that particular kingdom this ranges from like a swimming swimming trunks to random stuff like a samurai outfit and not saying more because spoilers and uh, basically if you have a switch you absolutely have to buy this more so than breath of the wild and maybe everything else combined this is like the game to buy a switch for yeah so the only disappointing thing so far i've seen is that uh, those motion controls which add like some extra functions yeah there's one there's one combat maneuver with cappy which is the hat which you can only do if you have uh, if you use the motion controls which is pretty disappointing because you actually have so many buttons on the controller which do stuff which the other buttons do so like you have doubles and all why not just allow pressing two buttons together also for one of these things it's 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 bad from an accessibility point of view and yeah but then uh, yeah i think they might change it because they did it for arms as well where people were complaining that if you didn't use motion controls i mean even i did if you don't use motion controls you can't actually guard and uh, without pressing like the left analog stick in which is not 
uh, intuitive at all and they actually fixed that by allowing full custom button mapping so i want to see if they end up doing that over here yeah that that'll be interesting to see but then this is the same company that pretty much destroyed uh, starcraft zero i mean sorry starfox zero by uh, by giving by forcing motion controls on the wii u so i wouldn't keep my hopes up i know but like that starfox it's a game which sells maybe 1/1000th of what mario will sell this is a mainstream game so it just depends on how much feedback they get about it true what have you been playing uh so besides blizzcon stuff well yeah so i've been playing a lot of uh, danganronpa trigger happy havoc uh, uh and as well as been playing a lot of uh, danganronpa v3 killing harmony and uh, yeah they're pretty addictive i've been playing both on the vita they're really fun games to play uh they're basically visual novels with hidden object uh, and logic puzzles and they're quite good uh they have a really interesting set and diverse set of characters some bizarre out of the world scenarios and they're quite fun so yeah i've been playing those and uh, prior to and prior to boarding the flight for blizzcon i was playing uh, gran turismo in vr and um, it's surprisingly good except that you know vr is restricted to just i think a, a handful of races and you can't play the entire game in vr though they should have made that possible but they didn't uh so yeah that's what i've been playing so yeah that hmm right then so i guess that's all we have for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to rate us on itunes and follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 and if you have any questions comments or feedback do write to us at podcast@gadgets360.com the music for this episode comes by magnus solai paulson whose album pppppp is where the tracks are from thank you so much for listening